From the Victory Studios in downtown Little Rock, this is Capital View. Good Sunday morning and welcome into Capital View. I'm Mallory Brooks. It's back to school for kids across Arkansas this week and some changes for students. One of those, two recesses for the very first time. We speak to the legislator that made that happen. Plus, we look back at the devastation that happened one week ago with two mass shootings in 24 hours. But first, we begin this morning with the first announcement for the 2022 gubernatorial campaign. It happened this past week. Lieutenant Governor Tim Griffin joins us to talk about his campaign for governor. Thanks for joining us on Capitol View. Thanks for having me. Well, Appreciate we are, it. We're still a few years out, but you made the announcement. Tell us how this came about this week. Well, to, to be honest, it, it wasn't really an announcement. You know, I got a, uh, I got a simple question from a reporter who just said, Hey, are you running? Are you going to run for governor? And I, you know, I guess I could have said, well, I'm reading the tea leaves or I'm debating it, but, you know, uh, that wouldn't have been honest. So I just said, yeah, I'm running. And so it wasn't, it wasn't a formal announcement with a press conference or anything. Mm -hmm. In fact, my wife, <laughs> my wife called and said, I didn't know you, you were announcing today. And I said, well, I'm, I'm not. I just answered a question honestly. And I guess that, you know, so look, um, I don't think anybody uh, who knows me is, is surprised. Mm -hmm. uh, there, it's you know I've been lieutenant governor for uh, five years, and there'll be plenty of time to talk about the campaign. I just answered a question and uh, was honest about it. Mm -hmm. And so it's out there. More official announcements to come um, in the yeah, future. Yeah, well, look, there's plenty plenty of time. Uh, you know, the one thing I would say is I think there are ten, ten governors right now, ten Republican governors. Mm -hmm who used to be uh, lieutenant governor, so mm -hmm. I don't think it's a great breaking news or shocking uh, in, in, to anyone in particular. But we, we've got tons of time, but when a reporter asks me, I'm gonna be straight with them. Uh, tell us, you know, we do have plenty of years, but tell us why you wanna be the governor of Arkansas. Well, we'll, we'll be talking about all that. Okay, we, we've got a come. governor now who's got a lot that he wants to accomplish mm -hmm. and is doing a great job. Uh, Arkansas is, I can make the case that Arkansas under uh, this governor is doing better than, than ever mm -hmm. and, uh, and he's got a lot more to do and uh, I've got a lot more to do as Lieutenant Governor. So uh, we'll have plenty of time to talk about all that. That's right. We'll have you on many more times before then. In the meantime, I want to bring something up that made national headlines, the gubernatorial race 2022, mm -hmm. already making headlines with President Trump tweeting that his former press secretary, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, uh, could possibly be running and then doubled down at a rally a few days later and said something again about governor of Arkansas. Nothing from Sarah that we've heard, nothing sure, official. Sure. What are your thoughts when you hear this? Well, look, I think there'll be a lot of people talking about uh, running running for governor. Uh, I, I don't know what they'll do, but but I know I'm running. And uh, like I said, we'll have a lot of time to, to talk about that in the future. Were you surprised when you heard that? Nothing surprises me. That's... Uh, but, uh, you know, I know what I'm doing, mm -hmm. and uh, I'm focused on what I do as lieutenant governor. And uh, But there'll be tons of time. I mean, we're, what? Three years away, so I'm sure I'm sure you'll have me back on, please, uh, over the next three years. So and I'll we'll, probably ask you again then. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure you will, uh, Lieutenant Governor. Let's talk about some of the things happening right now. Growing jobs in the workforce, something that's very important to you. Um, talk about that importance and what your plan is. Yeah. So one one of the things that uh, the governor's administration is doing, uh, teamed up with 
the federal government, and, and I've been a, a part of this, in fact, I, I spoke on this this morning, is encouraging apprenticeships. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we, we used to hear a lot about apprenticeships where people learned on the job what they need to do mm -hmm. for that job. And there was a, a space in, uh, of decades, really, where apprenticeships sort of faded away and employers were in a position where they sort of waited for educational institutions to produce the workers they needed. But in a complex economy with a lot of expertise required and diversity of jobs and businesses, educational institutions can't prepare everybody for every job. You've got to have employer input because employers are the only ones that can tell you definitively what they need. Mm -hmm. And that is particularly the case when you have such a diverse, complex economy. So what you're seeing is, uh, not just in Arkansas, um, but you're seeing across the country this renewed focus on getting employers engaged and involved in what they want to see mm -hmm. from their workers. And when you get them involved, then they can work with educational institutions and they can make sure that the people they want to hire are ready to roll mm -hmm. and that they don't have to reshape them, retrain them after they get out of whatever educational uh, um, institution they're in, whether it be coming out of high school, a trade school, mm -hmm. or a two-year college, or four-year college. The more we can get private sector employers involved in this process, the more accurate government and educational institutions are going to be at making sure the workers match the work. And so I'm a big proponent of this. Uh, the Trump administration has been a big advocate for these apprenticeships. Uh, the governor's, uh, Governor Hutchinson's administration through Workforce Services is doing a lot on this, and that's uh, who had me speak this morning. I spoke in Bentonville on the same issue. That is really important uh, because when private sector employers cannot find the workers they need, it means they either A, can't survive, mm -hmm. or they can't grow. And we need Arkansas businesses to continue to thrive here and grow here, which means we got to help them get the workers they need. Okay, let's talk about mass shootings. Just devastating. One week ago today, we were looking at two mass shootings within 24 mm -hmm. hours. These, it's just really unfathomable at this point. I think everyone agrees something needs to be done. Mm -hmm. What needs to be done? Well, first of all, I think that we've got to, uh, leaders and all Americans mm -hmm. have got to call this what it is. Um, it's despicable, it's hideous, and it is, uh, in these instances, are driven by hate, mm -hmm. hatred. And I think that whether We've got to make sure that we're crystal clear whether it's uh, ex Islamist extremists who are uh, focused on hate and killing or whether it is a white supremacist who are focused on hate and killing. Both are completely despicable and outside the bounds uh, of what anyone ought to be engaging in or endorsing in this country. Um, and so that's, that's first and foremost. Mm -hmm. We've got to be crystal clear. And, I, uh, you know, Governor Hutchinson's made some comments on that in recent days in terms of his work 
uh, as a prosecutor, and I, I think that's spot on in terms of labeling the white supremacists for what they are. Mm -hmm. uh, they are haters, and they are domestic terrorists. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and so first of all, we've got to start there. Uh, the second thing that I would say is, you know, I was struck because I was looking at uh, some data the other day, and it was in the form of a chart. Mm -hmm. And it showed the incidence of, of some of these mass shootings over the years. And, you know, we have had, we have had firearms for forever in this country. But something has changed in the hearts and in our culture. That is where we've got to step back and say, what, what is going on? Mm -hmm with the kids that we are raising, because kids become adults. And there's usually, there's something that has gone wrong at an early age. Uh, and so we've gotta take a really um, critical look at our culture and who we are as a society mm -hmm. and ask some of those hard questions. Why, why, is, why is the number of these going up mm -hmm. why and so we've got to get to the bottom of that and I think that we need to have a really honest conversation um, about what's driving that sort of um, that sort of uh, tragedy we want to end on a positive note today a big honor positive. for you let's, you're talking this about my, let's is, talk about my kids yeah you know I could talk about kids all day long you have a big honor coming tomorrow. Officially, you are being promoted to the rank of colonel, and tomorrow a big ceremony is taking that, place. That's right. Tell us about it. Well, it's been 23 years, so um, part, of, part of the process of becoming a, a colonel in the Army is you got to stay that long mm -hmm. <laughs> because it, it takes a while. Um, you know, the one professional constant for me, I've had different jobs over the years, but the one professional constant has been uh, me being in the Army, uh, mm -hmm. Army Reserve, and uh, over the last 23 years. And, you know, you really, for the most part, you have to finish War College mm -hmm. and get that master's before you really have a chance. So I did that last year. You may, I don't know, there, there was some stuff in the press about that. You may remember. So the last year I finished War College and then uh, came out on the list for promotion and uh, I've never had a promotion ceremony as I've gone up through the years, but I always said, if I make it to Colonel, I'm going to have one. Mm -hmm. So Monday, uh, tomorrow at uh, 1400 hours at 2 o'clock in the Rotunda, uh, my family will be there, Senator Cotton's going to be there, Governor Hutchinson, Senator Bozeman, Major General Penn, mm -hmm. who's the incoming Adjutant General for the state, um, uh, Senator Todd Young, who's a friend from Congress. Uh, he's a U.S. Senator now, uh, Congressman Hill, Congressman Westerman. We have a great group of people there. Mm -hmm. I've got friends coming in, and I've invited the whole state. Uh, we're going to have Chick, uh, I think we're going to have Chick-fil-A. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I ordered enough food, <laughs> but everybody's invited, and when the Chick-fil-A's out, Chick-fil-A's out. When chicken minis for everybody. Yeah, well, I think I got tenders, I don't know. But anyway, oh. <laughs> uh, my wife's getting a cake, uh, which we're gonna cut with a sword, and so it'll be, it won't wow. last long, it'll be fun, but great honor, mm -hmm. and I'm, I'm a commander at Fort Bragg now, so I go over to North Carolina a couple times uh, uh, a month, but uh, 
honored. Thank you for asking. Certainly an honor. Congratulations to you. Thank you for your service. Thank you. Big party tomorrow. Everybody's invited. Everybody. Well, yeah, till it runs out. <laughs> till it runs out. I paid for that out of the pocket. Lieutenant Governor Tim Griffin, thank you so thank much. You. We'll be back after a quick break. You're watching Capitol View on Sunday morning. You're watching Capitol View. Sunday morning talk focused on the political scene in Arkansas. Welcome back to Capitol View on this Sunday morning. School starts this week across Arkansas. Hard to believe. And this year, students will see some changes. One of those, an increase in recess time. Arkansas joins several other states that pass similar legislation. Representative Jana De La Rosa joins us in studio. She drafted this legislation. Thank you for joining us on Capitol View. Thank you for having me. So I have a daughter going into kindergarten this week. And hearing that this is happening, that they will have now 40 minutes of recess is reassuring because especially for the littles, it's hard to sit still all day long. Tell us why you wanted to draft this legislation. Well, it's difficult for adults to sit still mm -hmm. all day long. Um, it, the, the key is it's a minimum of 40 minutes. It's, it's not just 40. There are some schools that are exceeding this already, and we're, we're not touching that. But I was approached by a, a group of parents that were concerned about it because their kids were getting less than 20 minutes a day. And... Teachers agreed that they needed more time. Teachers in, in the lower levels especially have been having to build in time into their uh, class schedule just to try to get, as they call it, get the wiggles mm -hmm. out. Um, so they're already using this time as, as you would expect because it's needed to be used. So what we're doing is we're just moving that back out to the playground. So, you know, maybe teachers can take that out of their classroom and oh, I don't know, maybe go to the bathroom or something, <laughs> yes. you know, because teachers, they're, they're already asked to do so much. So um, this should help the kids and it should help should help the teachers. Absolutely, and that's a good point. Something for the teachers as well, because our teachers are angels. They are our heroes. Um, so we're talking about this. What have you seen um, whenever kids get more recess time? What does this mean for them throughout the day? Well, it means more physical exercise as, as you know, you would expect, but it also means more social interaction that's not directly overseen by an adult. Because if you, if you look at kids nowadays, there's usually an adult hanging over them, hovering over them for just about every activity that they mm -hmm. do. There's very little that they get to do completely on their own, and that's what recess grants them. And you learn a lot of things on a playground. I think everybody realizes that you can't learn in a classroom, and you can't even necessarily learn directly from an adult. What happens if I take the ball away from you? Well, you might not want to be my friend anymore. That's something that I can learn. You learn how to interact with others. Mm -hmm. So you get the physical activity, you get the stress relief, and you also get social interaction, which are all very positive benefits of recess. I want to talk about some other legislation that will go into effect this year. I'm taking a look at many acts. Act 190 states a school counselor shall spend at least 90% of his or her working time providing direct and indirect services to students. What is this um, in comparison to what it was? Well, it used to be 75%. We increased that to 90%. And the, the purpose of it was, um, you know, we have these mental health issues and counselors, if they're spending so much time on paperwork or if they're administering tests, they've been, they've been used in other areas as, mm -hmm. as schools have needed them, then these kids aren't getting the help that they need. So we're, we're trying to put the focus back on, on what counselors were there for in the first mm -hmm. place. And one of the funny things about that particular item is we used to have a report on how much time they spent reporting, which 
you know, we, we thought was <laughs> was pretty funny. So that got removed in the process mm -hmm. as well. So as we see things that, that make no sense in, in the process, we're removing those things. Something else that's made national news, we saw um, school districts that were bagging up and sending home excess food with students who need it. I think a lot of people wanted to see that here in Arkansas. That's something we're seeing now. Act 602 allows school districts to develop policies for distribution of excess food, and that's something we can see now. Yes, well, when when schools make their lunches for the day, and especially charter schools where the um, they've got culinary classes that, that actually create food for lunch or breakfast, uh, what we were seeing happening was uh, students going home with no food for dinner and the schools having to throw away food, which makes absolutely no sense. And I think Representative Dotson's the one that ran that bill, um, and, and he corrected that. So this, this makes this makes no sense, and it's one of those things where sometimes state law acts as a barrier to common sense, mm -hmm. and those are kind of my, my favorite pieces of legislation is when you can just knock down that barrier and you know do things that make sense. Absolutely. We're out of time, but quickly, uh, this recess bill, for example, that passed pretty much everyone was happy with this. Is that right? It got zero no votes in well. the entire... Uh, legislature, which is extremely uncommon. I was I was happy to see mm -hmm. that, that all, it got all yeses. With all the division in politics we mm -hmm. see now, it's good to see everybody agrees our kiddos need to excel in school. Representative Jana De La Rosa, thank you for taking time thank you. for us on Capitol View on this Sunday morning. And we are back with your top political headlines when we come back. You're watching Capitol View. You're watching Capitol View. Sunday morning talk focused on the political scene in Arkansas. Well, welcome back to Capitol View. Here's a look at your top political headlines of the week. Are you spending too much time on social media? One senator has proposed a law that might help you limit your Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram time to 30 minutes a day. Anna Warnicky from our DC Bureau has more. If you ever find yourself mindlessly scrolling through your Facebook feed or taking a deep dive into YouTube's suggested videos, Missouri Republican Senator Josh Hawley says your time is up. Hawley introduced the SMART Act that would ban addictive features on social media platforms like autoplay and infinite scrolling. It would also limit users' time on social media to 30 minutes per day. He gives you the opportunity to you know, set that and extend it. Jeffrey Wessling with the R Street Institute says users that want more time would have to opt out of the limits every month. He's trying to come in and tell social media companies you need to institute all these kind of technical checks on what or how users can actually like use the platform. Senator Hawley defended his bill at the Young America's Foundation. He says big tech companies profit off of users' addiction to their platforms and need to be held accountable. If a product is free, you're the one being sold. They're taking your data, they're taking your information without your consent or knowledge. But Steve Del Bianco with NetChoice says it's not the government's job to change that. I think there's plenty of evidence that people ex people know how to manage their online time in a way without inviting the government into micromanaging everything they do on the internet. Wessling agrees this isn't the right solution, but says he supports the bill's call to have the FCC study social media addiction. I'm not, you know, completely opposed to, you know, looking at that and trying to figure out, you know, why are people using this so much? So far, Hawley's bill lacks support from any other senators. In Washington, I'm Anna Warnicke. Anna, thank you. President Trump and the First Lady traveled to El Paso on Wednesday to a not-so-warm welcome. 
The president and first lady visited the hospital where they met with victims, doctors, and first responders. Texas Republican Senators John Cornyn and Ted Cruz joined the president. However, Democratic Congresswoman Veronica Escobar says the president owes El Paso an apology. As far as I'm concerned, he should not be here until he does that. The president said Wednesday he is open to talking about some aspects of gun control legislation, but right now he says the focus is the people in El Paso who are still recovering. Governor Hutchinson and Attorney General Leslie Rutledge have both expressed there is no room for white supremacy and violence stemming from hate in our state. Hutchinson says he's pushing for legislation that will allow law enforcement to come down harder on those committing hate crimes. Arkansas needs to pass this legislation to send the strongest signal possible that we're not going to tolerate that type of hate. The governor says he has yet to see a law that he can sign on to but will work to find a consensus. He also mentions one of three mass shooters have some sort of mental health issues, emphasizing the importance of the state's crisis stabilization centers. Voters will head to the polls one more time in the race for State House District 36, that primary election held last week. There were five Democratic candidates for the seat. No one got the majority after the ballots were all counted. Denise Annette receiving 32% of the vote and Daryl Stevens finishing with 30%. And we are back to wrap up Capitol View right after this. Stick around. You're watching Capitol View, Sunday morning talk focused on the political scene in Arkansas. And that is it for today's show. Thank you so much for joining us on this Sunday morning. We're back with an all-new Capitol View next week. Enjoy the rest of your weekend.